Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Glad you tuned in today. Annette will not be with us today. Unfortunately, she is suffering a migraine. Uh, Annette, if you're listening, which hopefully you're not. Hopefully you're in a dark room with your eyes covered and no sound, no light, um, and feeling better hopefully soon. But uh, certainly we wish you well. Uh, I've had those. They're awful. And any of you out there that have had them, you know what kind of pain she is in at this moment. So certainly we hope she feels better soon. We'll have her back tomorrow for Wellness Wednesday. As a reminder, tomorrow is Wellness Wednesday. We will be discussing 23 things that women need to stop doing. It is a very, very good show. Um, Annette shared this information with me and sent it to me, and I, I totally love the information we'll be giving you tomorrow is it's going to be um, not only I think educational but really empowering and certainly it's something we've discussed on future or on past shows and we will discuss on future shows but I really want to reiterate it we probably won't have time to get through all 23 tomorrow Annette and I like to discuss them so clearly we talk too much (laughs) and we end up going over time so we'll probably split them up into a couple of shows but Do tune in and keep a notepad next to you so you can write them down just as gentle reminders to stop doing these things that hurt us uh, emotionally or psychologically and keep us from being empowered. Today is Topic Tuesday, and we have a wonderful topic, uh, Hysteria, It's Not Just a Song from the 80s. Trisha Earle is on with us again today. Hi, Trisha. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. I love having you. Honored to have you here. And um, as you said before we got on air, every time you say that word, you think of the song, and I do as well. And I, every time I say the word, I think I start immediately going into the lyrics of Def Leppard's Hysteria, just like you do. So I don't want to waste a lot of time today. You have a lot of great information. I know that there's a few things that we're going to be discussing. I had mentioned to our listening audience a few times a documentary, Passion and Power, The Technology of Orgasms, and um, I had not talked to them about the Dildo Diaries. I know you'll be referencing those two today, but I want to give you um, time to really share this information we had discussed today and um, and let everybody hear what you have to say. So uh, I know that there's a couple of questions I'm going to have for you, but I'm going to let you go ahead and start talking, and then I will jump in. Um, it's a it's it's great, first of all, to have you back on, and I want you to, first of all, tell us, what is hysteria, and, and why does why is that significant for women to know what that is and, and the history of the word? Okay. Well, yeah, it's great for have, to have me, and thanks for having me back. Um, hysteria for me, um, <laughs> I, here's how I first learned of the word hysteria. It's by way of, obviously, the song by Def Leppard back in the 80s, yeah. but also... Um, <laughs> my mother had a hysterectomy. And so that was my first experience with the word. And so probably between then and now, I really had no other need to even look into the word. Why would I even want to know about it? And how does it affect me personally? That was not even on the forefront of my mind. But how it did come back to me is because I coordinated an exhibition here in town in in 2007, an art show. And in it, uh, one of my artists wanted to do... uh, installation piece about the uh, arrest that had recently happened uh, to the Something Sexy lingerie shop. And if anybody that is not familiar with this arrest that happened, it happened about the same time as the Chippendales uh, performance was shut down uh, for making obscene gestures. So we've got the Something Sexy lingerie shop 
here in Lubbock that went under an undercover sting operation, if you will. And this is a, a business that also exists in Dallas. And in Dallas, they actually have the uh, obscene devices. I'll use that term based on the Texas law. Um, but they are also educational devices, if you want to use that word. Anyway, we're basically right. talking about uh, dildos. Uh, exhibited right. uh, in plain sight. But here in Lubbock, they had to put them, uh, or I don't know how they decided, but they put them behind lock and key. And so right. whenever all of this happened, it was in the spring of 2007. I was doing this exhibition in the fall of 2007, so my artist was making a comment on it. Basically, this is ridiculous. And basically, this is a state law at the time in 2007 that would arrest any individual uh, with six or more obscene devices, in this case dildos, uh, because it was intent to distribute, and that was the law. And I say was, but it's still uh, in question now as I was looking up some information today about Corpus Christi and what they're doing. Anyway, um, so I started looking into it because I really had to do some digging around and try to figure out what am I going to be arrested for having this show if (laughs) if my artist friend is doing this exhibition. So I had to look into it a lot more. Um, so long, more story, we can talk about that later, about the whole exhibition and how that happened. But I'll jump into why I even looked at this documentary. The documentary, Passion and Power, the Technology of the Orgasm, is um, something that I came across uh, on my satellite uh, television. And I decided to go ahead and buy it because by this time, um, I was just really kind of curious of where are we going from now because I knew there were some talks of the law changing and I wasn't sure when this was happening, so I wanted to look at the history. And within this uh, documentary, which is based off of Rachel Main's uh, best-selling book, The Technology of Orgasm, um, Exploring the History of the Vibrator, uh, I saw in this documentary this reference to not only the current uh, arrest that happened in Burleson, Texas in 2007, uh, but they start off with the history of why uh, devices of this kind even existed. And so it started me thinking about the word hysteria again because they start back and you can look back at different research and, you know, see that basically since the 5th century we've been talking about women's bodies in this way, but um, it's not until about the 18th century that uh, it's decided medically that the orgasm is no longer believed to be necessary for procreation, specifically the female (laughs) orgasm. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That's kind of ridiculous, and and what is that doing there? So I had to really kind of check the history. I didn't really know all this was going on. And so what you can imagine is, as this is now law or medically uh, found, women were becoming um, sexually dissatisfied, Um, and which then defined by medically again, then women, they must have this disease. If they're sexually dissatisfied, they have a disease, mm-hmm. and that's where the term right. hysteria came from. And so mm-hmm. the treatment for that, and like I was saying to you earlier, this is kind of a cash cow, which is talked about in the sure. documentary. This is a non-deadly disease that the physicians are defining, and you have right. to return to the doctor to be relieved of this hysteria. There's not right, where they use vibrators Masturbate yeah. them to orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they and the treatment was actually called medically. It was called hysterical paroxysm, also known as oh, a good orgasm. So wow. what was going on in the 18th century uh, is this moment of oh, okay, I just need to go to the doctor and I'll be cured. 
but oh no, it starts to be occurring. And the other thing that I found interesting is that there were symptoms of hysteria, but let me first tell you what I found is the definition of hysteria. Um, The definition is an uncontrollable outburst of emotion or fear, often characterized by irrationality, laughter, weeping, etc. So, uh, psychiatrists refer it as a conversion disorder, and a psychoanalysis of it is um, a psychoneurotic disorder characterized by violent emotional outbreaks, disturbances of sensory and motor functions, and various abnormal effects due to auto-suggestion. Okay, so that's all a lot of uh, information there, but you can also look up female hysteria. So it has its Uh own uh, definition, and so the symptoms that a woman uh, back in the 18th century would have been diagnosed with is uh, faintness, nervousness, sexual desire, which I find interesting, insomnia, (laughs) if even admitted it, fluid retention, heaviness in the abdomen, muscle spasms, shortness of breath, irritability, loss of appetite for food or sex, and a tendency to cause trouble. So that last part there, I'm not really sure if if I would have been, um, I don't know, maybe I would have been diagnosed all the time. I would have but, been committed, um, yes. <laughs> exactly. I oh, guess I my goodness. Trouble. Yeah, certainly once a month I would have been committed because that sounds like PMS symptoms to me. So, Right. Yeah, well, in the documentary, they also include uh, reading a French novel with a sign of hysteria. So you you get a taste in the documentary of um, some of the U.S. and um, European doctors coming together in their medical uh, writings uh, defining hysteria for women. Oh, my goodness. I need to load yeah. up on French novels, evidently. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, the documentary, you know, it's really great because it took you back in time. And uh, it also goes into detail about uh, anatomy of, of women and men and and reproduction and as well as uh, sexual desire and, and non-reproductive um, needs. And so right. um, I also found it interesting that uh, when you start looking into hysteria, you start finding that, um, you know, fifth century on into well, I may even say current day, you know, women's bodies become kind of a medical mystery because the people that right. were studying medicine were men, so they were needing sure. to come to some conclusion. And so I found it interesting that it was thought that women had sperm and that it was housed in the uterus. <laughs> and so therefore um, this, you know, hysteria uh, was also associated there. But the thing I also wanted to on a Pretty, you know, it's pretty kind of comical right now. Maybe we, as we're talking, but there is a serious side to this that I found that a lot of times the diagnosis of hysteria would be um, eliminating more serious actual uh, disorders, uh, such as uh-huh. schizophrenia, uh, epilepsy, uh, as well as well as anxiety. So there were some things that were called uh-huh. hysteria that today we would not call hysteria. Right, and then and then these women were not actually getting proper treatment for that because obviously right. it was being misdiagnosed. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hmm. so leading to where we are today, so how did we come to this documentary? And um, in this documentary, it talks about a real-life uh, arrest that happened in Burleson, Texas, and they're the fantasy fun parties. Is that what we, uh, we were talking about earlier? Um, yes. Offline. Um, right. She is part of the organization, and she hosts uh, different parties. 
And she's also, I believe, with the city. Um, oh, sorry, I just went blank on uh, uh, City of Commerce uh, in mm-hmm. uh, Burleson, Texas. So she's in a predominant uh, field in, in the public eye. And so she also does the passion parties on the side. And so mm-hmm. she gets a phone call, and this is how the documentary starts off. She gets a phone call, and there's an answer on her answer machine, and it's from the sheriff, and he says, um, I forget her name just now, but I think it's Joanne's first name. Uh, you need to go on. Yeah, go Joanne Webb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Come on down before 5 o'clock, and uh, we've got a warrant out for your arrest. And she's thinking, what did I do? I don't, I, you know, parking tickets, <laughs> things like that. And so basically they're telling her to come down there, and they're going to arrest her because she was um, had more than uh, five um, dildos in her possession. So she was violating the obscene affinity law, Texas law. And as Molly oh. Ivins says, which anyone can look up on YouTube and see the, the Molly Ivins interview for the Dildo Diaries uh, documentary that was out in 2003. And so as Molly Ivins says, well, if you've got six dildos, then you're a criminal and therefore you're intending to uh, distribute these obscene devices. But now if you've got five, you must be a hobbyist. And so I thought that was pretty entertaining. Molly Ivins, I love her. And I wish, I wish she was still around. But so that's kind of part of the, the documentary, too, is that you get to see a real-life incident, uh, an arrest, and her, you know, the, just the turmoil that they end up going through in their family and how they're looked at uh, in the public eye, and there's the shaming that happens. And uh, it's, it's pretty uh, ironic, or I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's like coming back full circle. It's like now that she's hosted these passion parties and there's a Texas law against dildos and having ownership of them, it's almost like she's being punished again and shamed for her helping other women with right. their needs or with right. their desires. And it comes back to, again, you know, are, are women's bodies here for reproduction? Uh, some would say only uh, no pleasure involved. Right. And so I think that uh, this documentary really hits home how you can tie in the history of hysteria into the, I'll say, hysteria of uh, the type right. of law and the obscenity law. Yeah, and, you know, because, okay, and, and this mentions, it talks about this a little bit, I believe. I don't know if it covers it in the documentary, but I'm assuming it does because you and I have discussed it. But, we're, you know, we're talking about, um, well, I'll just read even what it says online. Texas and three other states have enacted these laws, a backlash to feminism. In these states, however, it is legal to advertise and sell Viagra. Mm-hmm. And certainly oh, yeah. Viagra is not being used by men for reproduction because we're talking about men who have no desire to procreate at the age that they're using Viagra. This is they're not using it for that purpose. You know, they're, exactly. they're typically using it just because they want to have sex. That is it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and we certainly yeah. know how much money goes in. How much money goes into male pleasure, right? I mean, we look at pornography right. and right. Uh, mm-hmm. strip clubs and Viagra mm-hmm. and all the many, many drugs both pharmaceutical and natural, that are made for men to either maintain or, you know, be able to properly acquire an erection. I mean, it's, it's right. right. It, there's a ton of it, but you don't really yeah. see that much for women. And when you do, obviously there's issues like this. Yeah. Well, and also uh, the documentary does a really good job of showing how hidden or under the, um, oh, under the radar that these, uh, devices were created and how they looked back in the day. And actually, it's entertaining because um, 
one of the uh, person that's being interviewed is looking at some of the ads, and she says, oh, this is a pretty cool device, and, you know, it's kind of archaic, but um, it does basically the same functions that stays do. But she says, oh, well, who, who made this back in the day? And she goes, oh, Sears and Roebuck. And it's like they're, they're images on the ads, they're massagers, you know, so you've <laughs> got to have this hidden undertone of what this device really is. Right. You can't even call it a vibrator. But basically <laughs> that's what that's what we're talking about. And it's it's right. amazing how you have to be so under undercover, if you will. And even if you right. think of um I think currently still today it's Eve's Garden is uh in New York and it's nondescript kind of building and you, you have no idea you're there unless you walk in the door. And it's about right. sexual freedom for women. It's it's a free um, a freeing opportunity because there are obviously educational opportunities, I think, and that's where I'm coming from too, is that I think women need to know about their bodies. Obviously, we're asked about it if we are able to go to an annual visit to our doctor, but, you know, there are times when I don't depend on the doctor to tell me what's going on. I'm very conscious of right. what my body's doing, and I'm not, I mean, I'm talking all levels here. Um, sure. You know, what it, obviously it's all based on health in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it is interesting because even the, you know, I think it's Durex that makes, um, I think it's Durex, I'm not sure if it's the right company, but I think it's Durex that makes uh, vibrators and they're like pocket size that you can buy, you know, at Walgreens or CVS or whatever. Um, <laughs> but even the words that they have to use, it's like, it, it, and it still includes like wording like massage and I think mm-hmm. vibration. <laughs> as close as they get to saying, like, yes. vibrator, you know. It's just funny right, that they exactly. can't really call it what it is. It is still to this day yeah. won't call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for anybody that's interested to to read online about um, Joanne Webb, and I would I love the the um, her lawyer that she has, and she's in this documentary too, but I was just going to reference an article in the Dallas Observer that you can see online. It's uh, titled Sex Toy Story. You can't buy a vibrator mm-hmm. in Burleson, but there are plenty of dildos. Nice. Um, and that was in 2004. <laughs> that was in 2004. But um, her lawyer, I'll, I'll say this real quick in the, in the documentary, she, when, when, you know, obviously she's representing Joanne and, and she's understanding the law and, and moving forward, but she gets a call from the sheriff's office, and this is early on in the, I guess, investigation, and I guess they haven't gone to Joanne's house yet or something. And so the sheriff, or she somehow gets on the phone, the lawyer, and um, he says, well, let me read you the law. It actually says you can have no more than six uh, devices, obscene devices, in your possession. And so she hangs up the phone and she kind of calls out to the other part of her office, the receptionist area, and she says, tell Joanne to get those out of the house. They're coming over and she can't have more than six. And so she looks back down at her desk, and she's getting busy, and she's like, I had another case to prepare for. So I really wasn't thinking about what I said. And so all of a sudden she looks up, and there's three women standing at her desk with hands on hips, tapping their foot. And they say, she says, what? What's going on? And they say to her, you mean to tell me I can be arrested if I have more than six devices in my possession? And she said, well, yeah, that, that's what the law said. Hold on a minute. And she goes, how ridiculous is this? And so she calls the sheriff back again and says, Sheriff, I've got three upset women in my office standing here, and they are about to um, 
pick up their picket signs and go, you know, walk the streets to uh, protest this. Now, tell me again, what did you say? <laughs> so it's kind of entertaining <laughs> that all of a sudden the, the lawyer really gets grasped it because she's like, oh, my, this affects this many women potentially. And she said that this is just my office then who else is this affecting? And at the same time, why is the law specifically, what's the history of this law? Why did it come to be? And so wow. it's a really good uh, way to show how how much this law, it, even though it's obviously it's made down in Austin, and as we know how laws are made down in Austin, you know, it's supposed to do some good somewhere, right? But you just can't find it if you're right. on the side of, you know, empowering women or or. or seeing that women have um, been doing this since the dawn of time. I mean, women have been looking after other women in various ways, in in health as well as reproduction, as well as, um, you know, uh, pleasure as well. It's just like this is something that women, obviously, if you talk to other women, back to kind of the 50s consciousness raising groups time period, you're going to find out you're not the only one. You're not crazy. That someone else is having this happen to them, whatever it may be in their life and specifically a woman, and you're not alone. And I think it's just really um, interesting how the lawyer just all of a sudden it clicks for her, and she's like, oh, this is ridiculous. So, she, you know, so of course there's a bunch of different references, and I'll, I'll go back to um, the Dildo Diaries. Uh, like I said, it was it, uh, must have been 2002, and um, mm-hmm. it's called, um, and imagine this is the cover of the DVD jacket. It's a gun. Uh, on the right. red background, uh, a dildo mm-hmm. on the white background, and then there's the Texas, it's basically referencing the Texas flag. And it says, in the right. state of Texas, this one is legal, which is a gun, but this right. one is not, which is a dildo. <laughs> so we can kind of even right. reference that to what happened down in Austin this summer when exactly. the started exactly being right. confiscated, you know, during yep. the, the, the reading of the laws. and. It's just amazing. You could take a gun into there, but you couldn't take your tampons. Because tampons are dangerous, Trisha. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if you saw the little post I made, um, a couple of them actually, but one in which I took a tampon and photoshopped it into a missile to where it looked like, you know, they were were dangerous weapons of mass destruction. Uh, It was absolutely absurd how that was handled. And, yeah, yeah, it was just another example of, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost exactly like what's pictured there. Uh, It's just another example of female oppression. Well, totally, and that, you know, women uh, are going to be so hysterical um, at this reading yeah. that therefore they must be going to throw tampons. But it right. was also assumed because someone said it. You know, it's almost like putting in a bomb threat. It's like someone put in a tampon threat, called it in, right. and then, you know, the DPS started responding. But it was just uh, its just one of those things. There's multiple moments that I find lately, and, and I'll kind of segue back to the beginning. You know, yeah, hysteria I only knew of in the form of <laughs> – you know, Def Leppard, and then, right. my, you know, my mom. So, you know, I had a, you know, pop culture reference, and then I had my own family, you know, and uh, there's totally medical reasons for um, hysterectomies, of course, and, and the seriousness of that. So I just um, find it sometimes, I don't know, if ironic is the right word, or I just feel kind of fuzzled or bum-fuzzled at times, but I just don't understand laws that are that are doing this and then, someone that is trying to say, but wait a minute, I'm just hosting passion parties. 
And right. these are just educational opportunities to show women they can have control of their own body uh, right. with a partner or, or without, you know. So it's not like we're right. omitting anybody. Right. Well, and I think, you know, here's the thing. You're talking about the idea of hysteria and you're talking about, uh, you know, why can't a woman say this? Well, here's the thing. Pretty much when a woman says anything, especially if she's passionate about it and is heated in discussion, um, in fact, look at the way that many of the women were viewed in Austin this summer, how many women were escorted out because they were being unruly or hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's like it, they're not taken, I mean, no one takes us seriously because if we have if we have the same level of emotions that obviously any man presents whenever he's upset or, you know, feels oppressed, um, mm-hmm. that sort of anger and even what escalates typically into violence is seemingly expected. Um, I'm not going to say it's respected, but it's it's certainly expected and it is um, allowed. And in that sense, uh, you know, they're at least attending, you know, people are at least attending to what's being said. When a woman does it, she's immediately discounted, immediately. Yes. There's something right. psychologically wrong with her. She's psychotic. She's, you know, there's mm-hmm. all these labels and that are put on her now, you know, and, and have been for, like you said, decades, centuries. I mean, it's it's always right. been that way. I mean, they used to burn them at the stake, and now they're, you know, probably taking the tampons mm-hmm. away. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's the right. same stuff. Right. It's just done on a, a little more subtle level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know if you want to go there, but I just happened to watch the Sleepy Hollow uh, new TV show yes. that was coming on. Yeah. Last night was mm-hmm. its first, um, I didn't think we would go there, but I just was thinking about when you said burning at the stake. Um yeah. In there is referenced, um, uh, I just went blank on his name, but anyway, the character who comes back from 1700. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. Ichabod Crane, there we go. <laughs> Ichabod Crane, yeah. his wife, um, he finds the headstone back in current day, and it says burned uh, for witchcraft. And so wow. I'm wondering where the show is going to go on that because she has appeared yeah. in his dream um, talking about, you know, yes, I am a witch, and he kind of, it seemed like a Paul, but not really, but he realizes he needs her. And so I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. about that, uh, what's going to be said because of uh, Sleepy Hollow, um, for instance, and, and witch, witchery and wizardry. Right. Um, how, right. How popular that is still, I would say, with the Harry Potter and and others. I think that um, it's interesting how women were treated as witches and, and wizards were treated as males. Oh, but right, I don't, exactly. I didn't mean to go there, but I mean, it just no, came to mind as you were saying that. Yeah, and that's part of it. You know, that's part of the whole idea. I, I know that I know that you know. I have a blog that, um, and I don't keep up with it as much now because I have so many other things that I do, including the show. But um, I started a blog years ago, and I did carry it for about five years, called Confessions of a Psycho Bitch, and it was exactly referencing that. That. You know, we, right. I don't even know that women are called hysterical now so much as they're called psychotic. Mm. Right. And, you know, yeah. you're psycho or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. so I just kind of put it together, pulled it up because of that, because it was something I felt was used. And I read a uh, a really good piece on that recently, and I'll have to try to find it and send it your way, and I'll post it on the page for all the listeners out yeah, there. Definitely. But um, it, it was referencing that idea that, you know, 
that is just another term used to silence women. It's just another way to oppress mm-hmm. you and make you feel ashamed or guilty or like there's something wrong with you because you're expressing your right. feelings, your thoughts, your experience, you know. Yeah, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what was happening then. And, again, it's just a different form of burning you at the stake. It's it's absolutely discrediting anything that you say. From that day forward, you're no longer taken seriously because someone else said you were psychotic. Right, and it's been defined and somehow medically backed up. But as we can see with hysteria, yeah, you can look back at the medical books, but they've also changed, you know what I mean, right. because of the exposure, I would say. and. Possibly, I would say, the uh, advancement of women being more involved in medicine. It's just my hunch there because then you're getting a true example of at least one female body. Um, But, yeah, there's much more. We're we're not all the same. That's for sure. Exactly. So, you know, back to the law. The law is as recently as of 2012, been declared unconstitutional, if anybody is curious um, or if anybody's freaking out and actually packing up their... Uh, obscene devices in their <laughs> house moving. right now. Um, yeah, you were in the state of Texas, but you might want to look at Corpus Christi. So anybody in the area, Corpus Christi area, you might want to take a look at that. It looks like right now in my research that Corpus Christi is not abiding by it being unconstitutional, uh, that obscenity law. So we'll see what happens on down the road. Yeah, and I know that we're about to run out of time, but I do want to say anybody that's living in Corpus Christi that has experienced anything like that, please post that on our page. We'd love to hear about it. Um, Tricia, as always, wonderful to have you on the show and hope to have you back again to discuss further topics because I know there's so much more we can talk about. Yes, most definitely. Thanks again for having me. Yes, no, always a pleasure. Everyone else, tune in tomorrow, Wednesday, for Wellness Wednesday. Uh, we will have Annette back with us. We'll be discussing 23 things women need to stop doing, and we will talk to you then.